Hello, Kevin. Awesome. You guys are nerds. Damn right. Oh, Kevin, you're so witty. I would stab someone in the face. Oh, that's gross. I'm cutting this, by the way. Bad Philosophy, episode 112, recorded on January 13th, 2012. Titles don't really matter. Hello, everyone. Welcome in one to Bad Philosophy, uh, setting the balance of reality one rabbit trail at a time. We're back for episode 113. No, 112? Yeah, 112. Because we made the joke the last one was 111 and it was on the first day of the year and etc. etc. and so forth. If if this was a. Episode 113, we're recording it on 113. So we could make that joke again. No, it's the 12th today. I know, but I'm saying no, it, it was the 13th today. I don't know. It's the th- yeah, 13th today. Should we just skip the 12th, Friday the 13th. The 112th episode and make Think it... anybody would notice? No. I mean, they would now, now that we've put all this no, in, the in the show. No, we've put it in the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> XKCD <laughs> skips 404. <laughs> really? Yeah. To be 404, not found. So if you've got XKCD slash 404... Oh, it's... God damn him. Yeah. Which uh, is funny because he just posted a big thing about about the 1,000th comic. Mm. But it really was only the 999 because he skipped 404. Oh, his ordinal and cardinal didn't line up. They did not. Just like ours don't. Ours do now, though. Do they? I think so because we skipped seven. And after that, we've only ever had, like, Bs. We've never had... We've had alternate numbers, but we've not had... I never posted episode 86 That's right, you didn't. So from South By last year. Maybe I'll be ironic and post it a year after the episode was recorded. That'd be weird. Just pretend it was from this year's South By. Right. That would be weird. <laughs> it would be weird. Anyways. Uh, we're back, everybody. Um, so Kevin and I just watched... Synecdoche. There you go. And um, Synecdoche, New York. You got to say the whole name. Is that the name of the movie? Yeah. There's another movie called Synecdoche. Actually, really it came out 2011. Um, okay. We watched Synecdoche, New York. Yes. Starring Philip Seymour Hoffman and a bunch of other people, some of whom play Philip Seymour Hoffman's character uh-huh. at various points in the movie. It's so for those of y'all who haven't seen the film, um, you won't you, understand any. You of this. won't understand any of this episode whatsoever, and you might just want to skip it, <laughs> or go um, watch the movie, or go watch the, like pause it here, pause it here, and then go watch the movie. Um, it's uh, what's well, a head scratcher, <laughs> and I'm I'm scratching my head right now. It's so Kevin, you've seen the film three times. This is my third time, <laughs> third or fourth. Third I may have, I may have seen it one other time that I couldn't think about. <laughs> okay, I know I've seen it at least three times. This mm-hmm. may be the fourth. Um, um, and interesting enough, I picked up new stuff this time even. So I, I'm I'm literally like, it, it's it's like my brain got punched. In, in <laughs> it's it's like it's if, like your brain got punched in its. Brain. It's like I just got tased or something or or. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, it's like somebody just degaussed me, if that makes any sense to you, to you nerds out there. Remember we don't the have de- CRTs anymore, though. <laughs> it's an people, outdated reference. Some people live, listening to the show will remember uh, degaussing the monitor. You know, just sort of shake it, and then it would 
sort of settle back into its its form. I think I should put a magnet up to it. Right. That was what that was for. It was, okay, whatever. Um, and uh, and that's how my brain feels right now. <laughs> it, it's to, to put this in context, if you can even do that. It, it's. Well, I, can, I can give you a very straightforward description okay. of what happens in the film. Sure, go for um, it, Kevin. It doesn't encompass anything that happens in the film. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, Caden Cotard is a director, uh-huh. um, and he's married to a painter, and they have a child. And he wants very much to, <clears throat> excuse me, to create something true and real in his art. Uh-huh. Um, and because of the production of Death of a Salesman that he does, he gets a MacArthur Genius Grant, which, if you're not familiar with, is a very large sum of money to do with as you choose for being does he really? a potential genius. Yeah, that's in there. Okay. That's when he gets well, the letter. Yeah, but... <laughs> for the sake of argument, I guess we'll go with that. Does in a fairly... Really if I'm going at a, at a surface level, you know, the <laughs> top line, what happens in the movie? He gets money... Is there even one? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes, there is. There's one surface level. It's not complete by any means, but okay. there is okay. sort of a, a <clears throat> set thing. Um, and he decides to create a massive theater piece inside of a giant warehouse uh-huh. in which he eventually constructs a replica of New York City. It's also worth noting that the warehouse itself is in New York City right? and contains a warehouse because... It's inside New York. The warehouse is in New York City, and so their version of New York City inside the warehouse contains another warehouse inside right. of it, and and so on and so forth. And and that's about the point where your brain goes, <sighs> uh, particularly yeah. on the first time through. Um, and he includes casting both. He, he casts both um, himself and everyone in his life becomes a part of the play that he's producing in his attempt to create one massive, true piece of theater. And it takes him a couple of decades or a few decades to or develop a month. this. Or two. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Time passes very strangely in this film. Right. Um, well, so one think, of the char- it's Okay, yeah. so the film, and, and I didn't understand this until actually seeing it. One of the things you told me before going into this was that the film deconstructs itself. Yes. And, and it, it does. Um... I mean, the, the film at various points uh, makes references to itself. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character is, like, in an animated film that he's watching at multiple points. Mm-hmm. Um, various characters will outright say what's going to happen or what is happening or exactly what a character is meant to be. Or, ba- I mean, basically the, the core message of the film is... Is a bit of dialogue like that somebody gives. Is there a core message of the film? Uh, I mean, at that point, maybe maybe a core message of the play, what, which what is piece of... one possible interpretation of the film. Yeah. What piece of dialogue? Which is are you which is of? Uh, fuck everybody in the world. Ah, yeah, and amen. Then, <laughs> and then amen. Yes, fuck everybody in the world. Amen. Um, and the and the film does this just. Casually mm-hmm. and repeatedly, and and so we got we got like an hour and twenty minutes in, and it <laughs> felt like I had been watching this movie for three hours. Seriously, like there is just there's there's a density to what's happening that makes your brain pay attention the entire time. 
Like it it is it is literally an exercise in how how many how many orders of um, magnitude not orders of magnitude but how many orders of abstraction and recursion <laughs> and um, simultaneous recursion can your brain keep in yeah. it, in its in its uh, memory simultaneously. The film just does this, <laughs> um, <laughs> like it's nothing. And yeah. did you did you happen to notice? I'm, I'm going to ask you some fun questions okay. um, because right. again, this is my third or fourth time seeing it, so I know things that you don't. Uh-huh. Um, did you happen to notice the first appearance of Sammy? Yes. Okay. When he's checking his mail. Yes. Yeah. Did you see him after that? Because yeah. he's basically in the movie the entire time up to that uh-huh. point. Uh huh. Here's one I didn't catch until this time, and I actually had to be told about it to catch it. Uh-huh. The, that first scene where he wakes up, brushes his teeth, all, you know, goes downstairs, all that sort of stuff, takes place over about four months. When the scene starts, the radio starts, and they say it's September 1st. Oh. By the end of the scene, it's already the end Halloween. of October. It's Halloween. Oh. That's what didn't didn't quite <laughs> register in my mind. Yeah, yeah, and the, and there's really there's a few different subtle cues, and they happen throughout the film at other times as well to sort of give you a guide as to where we are in time. Uh-huh. But there are subtle cues throughout the thing showing you the progression of time in a very in kind of a, in an inconspicuous way, and it makes you go, "Wait, what?" Yeah, and and some might argue that it's just an attempt to make you confused in the first ten minutes of the film. Sure. Um, well, but, I mean, literally my brain did not process No, it wouldn't have. It, it's, it's, you're, you're, it, it's, it really is one of those movies that, that forces you to derail your, your mental routines. Mm-hmm. Just forces you off the tracks. Because like, we, we, in, we get into tracks. I mean, physiologically, that's how our brain works. We've experienced things before. So we, we uh, make it easier on ourselves and we just call up routines of stuff that we've already experienced. And I would argue... And then just run them and run them and run them. That happens particularly in, in media and film oh, and yeah. TV. Oh, yeah. Well, it, it, yes. And that's because, why police procedurals are such a big thing right now. Oh, right. Because they're everywhere. I mean, that's what they are. Mm-hmm. And it's that, it's that trend we know what to expect. And they're recycling the same couple dozen plot lines. Mm-hmm. That, that have, and, and everybody's... But the reason that it's interesting and enjoyable for people is there are variations, but slight variations, <laughs> easy variations, variations that you can catch when you're distracted or while you're, you know, cooking or on your iPad or whatever mm-hmm. else. That's casual. This movie, you have to pay attention to every single thing that happens. I mean, it felt very much like Inception in that way, but this was... This yeah. was this movie got oh. nothing. Inception got nothing on this Inception movie. Got nothing. Inception Inception's is, a good movie. No, Inception's don't get me a great wrong. movie, but Inception is is self declaratively um, recursive and, and consistent and consistent and and um, and it's built so that you can so that it has a structure that you know and it explains it to you. This film just <laughs> leaves it kind of up to you how many levels of recursion are going on and there's at least three. At least we're pretty sure there's at least three. At least, but you know, he he like peels away the the, <laughs> yeah. the poster. Yeah, there's probably more. It's you know, yeah. there's um, it's warehouses all the way down. Why was why was uh, Helen right? Was her name why? Yeah, why was Helen's house burning? It was on fire. Uh, why? Why? What? What was? Well, that's how what, she bought it. Yes, but what? <laughs> Why? Like I just off the off the, that was the one of the few things that I could not that nothing registered to me. 
about there's what? not necessarily a right answer to it. And she but died I of think, smoke inhalation. <laughs> well, no, I think if you go back to the scene where she buys the house mm-hmm. and she's talking she's to the realtor, it, yeah. And the realtor says something really interesting, which is, it's a big decision deciding how you're going to die. Really? Yeah. <laughs> when they're talking, well, she asked about the fire. She goes, well, I'm a little worried because it's on fire. And the realtor says, well, it's a big decision. They light know, candles in the last scene. Of course. Okay. Well, you want, it's a romantic evening. You want to light candles for that. Right, but is it... The house killed her. The house killed her. Uh-huh. It, but did it, did it kill her over time, or did it kill her then? It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Mat- what matters is she made the choice. Yes. She made the choice to the- live there, knowing that it would kill her. Hmm. Something that, for example, Caden could not do. Right. He could never decide, right up until the end, he could never decide how he was going to... to structure so that's, play. that shows a difference between, for example, him and... <sighs> Hazel. Hazel, right. Yeah. Hazel. Why did I think Helen? Helen was um, who he got to play... I don't think there's a Helen. There's not a Helen? No? There's an Ellen. Ellen. Ellen was who he got to play. Yeah. Ellen was, was a great bit that I only just caught this time. Yeah. That the, the recursion within the Ellen story. Mm-hmm. Because, okay, he goes to, to... Well, the funerals for his parents are identical. Yes. One of them is with Claire. The other one's with um, Ellen. Uh-huh. Right. No, Hazel. Hazel. No. Ellen doesn't come to any of the... Ellen no, is the his... maid. Oh, right. So you've got... Ellen was the maid that he breaks into his wife's, first wife's apartment and pretends to yes, be the maid. Yes, yes. That Maid okay. being Ellen. Who am I thinking of then that he has... He has sex with at one time. He has sex with Hazel at the first funeral. Right. And at the second funeral, he has the sex with the woman who plays Hazel. Right. Whose name I don't recall. Okay. Um, but no, the Ellen story, and I only, ju- I, seriously, I've watched it three times and I just got it now. Uh-huh. Um, he breaks into the, to the apartment or gets into the apartment and starts cleaning it and pretending to be Ellen. And then eventually casts someone to play Ellen yes. in the play who then eventually becomes the director and takes on his role. Mm-hmm. The woman he casts is Ellen. Yes. I didn't catch that the first two times that's I watched it. That's why she looked exactly like... Yes. Yeah. I mean, again, th- I mean, that's... It says something that I... I mean, I'm still picking up new things this far into the... This many times into it. Yeah, that's why she looks exactly identical yes. to uh, <laughs> Adele's painting of her. I, yeah. I can handle it. Okay. Um... So, so I mean, yes, that was that was something that I just caught in the last ten minutes, right? And right. was, and she mentions like being a cleaning lady in a couple of plays, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's that she was actually a cleaning lady. Um, oh my god, I, <clears throat> I am gonna have to see it another time. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not immediately. <laughs> just it's. So, so t- taking another step back, uh-huh. we're going to take a lot of steps back. It, it's, I, I mentioned this to Kevin right after I seen it. I think Charlie Kaufman successfully made a movie about life. You said everything. Uh, everything. Mm-hmm. And I said, did he? Did he? <laughs> and at that point, I, my brain de-oused itself again. Um, it's... Yeah. 
It truly is. I mean, it, it's it, he basically made the movie that Caden is trying to make as, into a play in the in the film. You in think a way, so? In a way. See, I, I would I would take it from a different perspective and and not I would not say is Charlie Kaufman Caden probably. To some extent. We all are, right? To Isn't some that extent. one of the messages of it? Like yeah. Like, we all are? Well, see, that, there, there's a key phrase there. One of the messages. We are all I would say, else, right? No, the phrase, one of the messages. I would say okay. this is a movie, and, and it is rare in a film that you will find this, because it's a very postmodern perspective. It's an extremely postmodern film. It's, it is the most mainstream postmodern film I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, and it's the most postmodern mainstream film I've ever seen. Uh-huh. But there isn't one message. No. There are a multitude, and none of them are exclusive or uh, overriding of the others. It's a film about death. Yes. What, like, yeah. It's a film it's about a pretending specific... to be ourselves. Yeah. It's a film about everything. It's not a film about everything. And it succeeds at being most of those things. Yeah. And, and people like to argue about it, and um, when it first came out, there was some... Um, there were theories that got thrown around that you know Caden had died, and that was it was all it was all a dream death or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm not saying that's not a possibility. Isn't it the isn't it Ellen at one point who espouses that that like he's in he's in sort of a I forget what she says like a a semi state mm-hmm. between static and and something yeah or yeah anti static like. yeah and and so there's I mean there's definitely and and there, that's a reading of it, mm-hmm. but. Is this not a film, in my humble opinion, ha ha ha, that... You don't have, your opinion is, is never is humble. just your opinion, yeah. Kevin. Um, yeah. This is not a film that has a definitive answer. Well, no. Uh, um, you know, there's, no. there's an argument to be made that, you know, Inception, he's either awake or not um, at the end of Inception. And they try and play it like you don't know. Yeah. But somebody knows. Right, right. And there's an argument to be made for either side, but there is meant to be a right answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is not a right answer for this movie. Well, I don't even know if there's... And there shouldn't be. ...a question, necessarily. I mean, it's, it's not... The, the question, the question, or a question, doesn't arise that easily. It does at the, at, after Inception. Everybody walking <laughs> out of the theater debating, you know, whether he's alive. Yeah, or I, someone, someone on Twitter put, um, you know, Inception was a, a two-hour trick to get nerds to argue for days on end. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but this film, it's, it's not as easier f- for your mind to converge on something like that. In fact, like, at, the more I think about it, the more... It diverges onto all of these different subjects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Caden's sexuality, mm-hmm. for one. Yeah. Um, it, it, I thought it was extremely clever the way that he interweaved that with his with his daughter's death. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. I it didn't quite click with me why she said your homosexual lover Eric until Ellen was having the discussion with her husband. Eric, <laughs> uh-huh. in the house, and I was like, <laughs> this, "There's oh. all of these things going on again, um, like time sort of looping back it's, on itself." It's or, not quite a dream state, but it's something akin to that. It's very similar to how we remember a story, right? Mm-hmm. It's and the, the way that the way the movie progresses from being very understandable, 
with with just a hint. Like you yeah, say, no, it just starts a hint. Off, it starts off almost relatable. Like oh, you yeah. know, it's a family drama sort of film. It's a family drama. It's about a guy. Something crappy happens to him. Mm-hmm. You know, but it just it has a few hints of not everything is as it seems. And then over the course of the film, just gets progressively more strange and non-linear and divergent and. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Caden's got a diary that it's his daughter's that manages to keep updated. That is in real time, yeah. Somehow. <laughs> well, it, and it's just, it doesn't matter how. It doesn't, it's not, yeah, it's not about a how. It's, 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 it's Well, and, and it is as much him imagining what it is like for, for her, what she's going through, as it is him... But what he imagines seems to be what is happens. Is actually true, yeah. So is well, it what he's imagining? And that's extremely postmodern. Like, that, <laughs> that's the whole... You know, reality is not objective. We, you know, everything is is a perception. Everything is is a relative creation of the human mind, and it's either it's either a cultural creation, reality is a cultural creation, mm-hmm. or it's an individual creation. So I just, and and maybe I, I want to react against that particular part right now. Um, I just recently got done reading Steven Pinker's book, uh, The Blank Slate, where he makes a structured philosophical and scientific argument for a modern conception of human nature. Now we're not we're not talking like, you know, man is naturally good, evil, you know, these simplistic um, you know, all all men are, are, you know, savages type of a thing. You know, he he actually specifically debunks myths like the noble savage that in our unaltered state we're some you know high moral being that's perfect and you know has a utopian society he's not warlike whatever (laughs) um but he also debunks the idea that we are completely and totally molded by our nurture and our our environment and how we're raised by parents by peers etc and he he makes a very sophisticated argument against um that postmodern idea that there is no ob- objective reality and how and how dangerous that that sort of a concept is because you you lose what's true again like I, it's key. it's weird i don't think that tr- that synecdoche is is completely postmodern because on a sense he's trying to find out what's true but no i take that back but the film is saying that there isn't anything yeah so that's well, the it's not saying right? that there isn't anything well, every single one of the titles of his play are correct. True, are that, that true. Is, that is true. The, all of them are true. All <laughs> right. of them are correct. Mm-hmm. It's not that there is no some truth. Some of them are, are more right than others. It's not that there is no truth. Mm-hmm. It's there are a plurality. But sometimes there aren't. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes they're just goddamn facts, <laughs> right? Sometimes people are male or female. Oh, no, no, no. 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 And, and, and here's the thing. I know he, he also strongly argues against against gender feminism. So I and I don't know if I want to get into that with you, Amy. But yeah, Amy's um, listening into this conversation and he just said the trigger words. Um. Look. Scientifically. No. No. no yes. No. Twin studies. All right, he cites twin studies. What about them? All the time. The, the fact that you can still draw correlative um, personality traits from twins that are raised in very different environments, right? So even, even he draws study from studies of um, boys who had ambiguous uh, genitalia who were um, raised as, as girls, all right? And, and the results of those scientific studies are not conclusive that they come out at, just as a girl would, that they still have... They they still biologically. What have does it mean as a girl would? 
uh, feelings of attraction. I mean, read the book. I, I really don't want to go over. I'm going to tear this thing apart. Okay, okay. But to, to take a step back, specifically the the ideas of in postmodernism. To get back to a philosophical, point, uh-huh. the idea in postmodernism that that there there's no there's no such thing as true. There is right? no one absolute truth. That's not the same thing as there is no such thing as true. But the idea of multiple truths, I mean multiple facts, pseudo-facts, that's... Not pseudo-facts. Uh, multiple. The, the titles thing, right? Every single one of those titles was the right title for that play. And I'd argue for this film. But that's... Listen, listen to the wording of that. The right. Okay. So the uh-huh. way our, the way our mind works... Every single one of them is the right title for the play. See, I don't like that. I, and, and I know you don't. There was it's not a fun thing. It's not necessarily really, something to like. Really appealing about about Pinker's arguments and and just <laughs> the the trouble that that you get into. When, and really, I think we should spend an episode on it because I'm totally not doing his argument justice. <laughs> and I, I need to reread the book and study apparently um, a little bit more. Um, but I felt like I felt like the film, to an extent, does a lot of good things. It. it uh-huh. It says, you know, despite despite the possibly the argument that it's constructed, there is such a thing as as love. You know, him and, and Hazel. No, I agree. There is love. Are obviously in in love, uh-huh. whatever that is. Uh-huh. You know, and they realize it, and they they grow, and they you know, they finally kind of come together at mm-hmm. the end. Um, and you know, there's such a thing as his love for his daughter. You mm-hmm. know. Even though who she is is sometimes a construction in his mind, is usually a construction. Usually a construction <laughs> in his mind. What what did uh, what did the psychiatrist mean when she asked him why he killed himself at five? She said, "Why would you?" Aha! Uh-huh. Yes, she corrects her, herself. But the first time she says it, she asks him, "Why did you kill yourself?" Or is that what you heard? No, she she asked. Is that what Caden heard? Because he initially hears different things from the doctors too. Which is but not why to would, say they why didn't would he say. think that? Why would he think? Why did you kill yourself at five? And then he takes and integrates that book right into into the play in a big way, uh-huh. which I found kind of funny. Um, I mean, there's it's. This is not a movie you can trust. No, I guess not. It, it, well. But what does that what does that mean? Like you can't trust what's portrayed as as uh, true, right? Like the film the film is there is not an film, absolute truth. The film in the does film. everything. It, it, it is it is thoroughly postmodernist in the sense mm-hmm. that the film at every turn makes you question your conception of how things should be or uh-huh. are, both right? in the film and from without. Right, exactly, and and I don't I don't know whether that's. Uh, a good thing. I mean, it's certainly it's certainly an interesting mental exercise, a, an extremely good mental exercise. But biologically speaking, we are wired to perceive the world in certain ways, right? We we no. are wired at at the very least to perceive shapes in certain ways. No, I mean we we know this. We know that again, going back to Pinker, we know this from scientific studies that certain hormones, certain genes allow people to perceive shapes. And concepts in a particular way, just universally. We know we were wired for language very early on. I mean, we're, we're, there there are patterns in the brain that have evolved 
from natural selection to make us good at certain things. And what postmodernism tries to do is say that that's all that's all poppycock and that's all construction and nothing's real and you See, can't that's, be sure of that's anything. a very it's a film you can't trust right it's all about you can't trust what your perceptions you can't pers- you can't trust your conception of reality and mm-hmm. it's deeply upsetting uh-huh okay so like throughout the film at, at one point this was a horror film according to one of the early drafts it is deeply upsetting and it still is in some arguments <laughs> yeah because because it's it's horror in in the mm. most fundamental sense, which is you cannot be sure of what's out there. Mm-hmm. And epistemologically speaking, eh, not so much. I mean, we... we so as, as human beings, we've evolved to per- perceive the world, and we've evolved to perceive it correctly. We would not be here, right, if we incorrectly perceived the world. Or if we... Per- sure? I'm positive of that, <laughs> right? Okay, what's now, an incorrect perception? If we if we did not perceive color the same way, we could not hunt the same animals because I would say hunt the brown one, and you would say, "What do you mean that one's red?" Okay. In so ancient certain- Greece, here's here's a fun fact. Here's here's a, here's an interesting thing. Uh huh. In I think it's Greece, but in ancient Greek in ancient Greek writings, the sky is green. <sighs> I don't, it, Okay, but at least every, okay, but every, <laughs> so there's a the consistency. Thing, but everybody sees it as green. Everybody calls it the same thing. It doesn't again on a language basis. It doesn't matter what we call X as long as everybody perceives X. Okay, not everybody, so everybody perceives X. It, it, okay, biologically speaking, if uh-huh. we if we had if we were truly blank slates and environment was completely totally up to it, right? This this movie would just confuse the hell out of out of anyone, and you would never you would never want to do anything because you couldn't be sure, you couldn't trust anything, right? So at some point, and this is the practicalist in me arguing, this is uh-huh. not this is a, an uncommon view, uh, I think, epistemologically speaking. At some point, you just have to take it as you'd have to take it on faith that biologically speaking, you're here and you're seeing the same thing that I'm seeing, right? And it, we all. We all work better if we all just agree that we're seeing similar things, uh-huh. right? This is why stereotypes develop, right? So that we can treat when we mm. when we, our brains are built to perceive objects, shapes. They're they're built to think about certain concepts in a certain way because those help us survive, right? If I could never be sure that I was actually holding this bottle of beer or that I was holding a piece of food or that that food was the same piece of food that I ate a week ago because it, it looks the same but it may not actually be the same, mm-hmm. I would never, I would die yeah, or I would so, never so be able to do So we've developed confidence. Yes. That but doesn't I, but that create con- But that anything. confidence, that confidence derives directly from biological similarity. As right? far as we can tell. Yes. Well... <laughs> Okay, any any perception, any any knowledge is as far as we can tell. Uh-huh. Right? And the, okay, so why don't you argue back from the postmodernist position then? What do you think I've been doing? <laughs> Questioning always. Uh-huh. Okay. So so postmodernism at its core or what, what is what is its point? What is what's postmodernism's point? To say that we can never be confident in anything? What is this movie's point? To say that we can never be confident in the, the decisions That's that we make? one of the points. Okay. Uh, you can't say postmodernism has a point. That's horrible, though. <laughs> okay. 
You can't say that this movie has a point. Both of those statements, do you, do you see the relation I'm building there? Perhaps. Because you, you watched this movie. You enjoyed this movie. I, I, I get the impression you enjoyed this movie. I did. Well, and... and in, 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 in some way. Enjoyment is a weird thing. <laughs> Isn't it, though? Yeah. <laughs> um, right. But, so, so look, let's take at it, let's look at, let's look at Synecdoche. Uh-huh. Synecdoche is not a film with a single point. It is a film about death. It is a film about love. It is a film about a guy trying to pre- please his ex-wife the best way he knows how and failing. It, it's, it's really about just the struggle of existence more than anything. I mean, he's... It's about he's, all of it. It's about that, too. He's horrified by, his, by the way that his perceptions are changing, mm-hmm. by the times when his, when his perceptions don't match up what everybody mm-hmm. else is, is seeing, when his expectations fall short... You know, the, the line that Adele has about being disappointed the more you know a person. Mm-hmm. So um, we're up to nine things it's about. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's interweaves all of these things mm-hmm. without giving a direct answer on any of them. Uh-huh. Yeah. Welcome to postmodernism. <laughs> postmodernism so, has nine answers where modernism has one. And the and nine th- answers are not mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. They're not counterproductive. They don't cancel each other out. They all exist simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. So, so you've once told me before that you feel like you're a postmodernist living in a post-postmodern era. Yeah, I, so I, I is, waver on that. But what sometimes. is post-postmodernism? Um, post-postmodernism <laughs> is what you're talking about right here. It's, it's taking a modernist view on postmodernism and saying, well, if there are multiple truths, then there can be no truth. And that's a, a straw man argument used by, of all people, modernists to disprove postmodernism. Okay. Because, because it becomes so a very me, reductive and modernist argument. So, so give me an example, then, of, of why that's not true. Okay. Now, I know the burden of proof is on me in this case, no, but no, what but is postmodernism's reply, then, to that, to that counterargument? It's not that there is no truth. It's so that, that there are multiple. multiple truths. Truth is a plurality. Not a singularity. Another, another example that's always kind of fun that I like to use mm-hmm. is the pyramid. Um, if you think about... Um, what's, what's the word I'm thinking of, Amy? I know that's a very vague thing to say. We were talking about it earlier, though. Historians, the brick building, empiricism. Thank you. Yeah. The empiricist view of history is every time we uncover a new piece of historical evidence, we add a brick to the massive pyramid that is history. Mm -hmm. And eventually, if we were to have all of the pieces of evidence, we could create a complete pyramid that is history. We could have complete and total knowledge of history. Uh That's that's a purely empiricist view. Um, And it's, it's reductive. And I'm, and that's okay. And and you're already hesi- hesitating and saying, "Well, I can see it in your eyes. You're kind of you're going." Well, it, this film this film looks at that subject among others too, yes. because because in in creating the play, he's trying to create a history of himself uh-huh. and, and and of his own life. Uh-huh. And it's that that old problem that if you spend your entire life writing about your life, 
you won't do anything uh -huh. or you'll never be able to do it because uh -huh. you're <laughs> it takes you more time to write about what you're doing than to actually and, do it or and you'll notice if you do it if you do it in, in excruciating detail mm -hmm. but if you skip some things if you if you uh, you know combine some some stuff together if you simplify the narrative it gets mm -hmm. easier to tell and yeah. you know he never makes that leap he just keeps trying to tell it in complete and total detail but you'll notice it's again never again accurate Accurate in air quotes there. Right. What it's happens in the play is not what we've seen earlier in the film, mm -hmm. which is an, in fact, approximation of what Charlie Kaufman saw in his brain before he wrote it down. Right. Um, so, the, <laughs> again, turtles all the way down. But, uh, so with, with that, that, so that's, that's the, the pyramid is the pure empiricist view. Uh-huh. And the, the empiricist is another way of saying modernist in the case of historiography, uh -huh. uh, meaning that we are striving to achieve something. There is something that can be achieved. All of human history has been progressing towards a certain perfection, one might argue. Or that any human effort tries to is, approximate some sort of platonic ideal. Is trying to go to the platonic ideal. Right. Platonic ideal, pure modernism, right up there. Um, the postmodernist so, says... There's not one goal. If, if you ever look at the if you ever look at the the group that call themselves progressives, be uh -huh. it in social interaction, be it in political interaction, I want to hit them in the head because it's the most modernist perspective you can have okay. of of progressing towards something. We are changing, we are growing, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there's an end point that we're striving to be at, or that the same place that I or my culture is striving to go to is the same as your or you your culture, or you were trying to go to. Right. And that's the postmodern. Two goals instead of one. Okay, so I, I, can, see, I can see some benefits in that. And it's, and it's certainly... Maybe, maybe my argument was not sophisticated enough um, in, it, in, its, in its modernism. Um, I, I feel like... Again, I think I think it can reduce down to what the human consciousness, as a result of our genes, is trying to do. The brain, as it functions, tries to hone in on something because an, the the concept of an object, right? This is a bottle. Even though you could ask, well, could a bottle be ten feet tall and still filled with the same liquid, or could a bottle be, you know, the shape of something else, or could it be made of a different material and all this? Well, we go, the bottle is like this. It, it's it's a point. It's a signifier. It's a signifier is the word you're around for. in in a. It, there sort of is, you know, our brain wants to create an ideal, but it never really has an idea of what that ideal is, and it's constantly shifting. But what happens is you get a bunch of things that are very similar to each other, and mm -hmm. all of the things similar to each other, that kind of clump becomes the object that you call bottle. Okay? Uh -huh. And so the closer but that it's something... But it's never... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay, okay. So the closer that something approximates to bottle, the more likely it is that your brain can, can grab onto it and say bottle. Right? This is, but this abstracts to everything. Let's, let, this I, abstracts to I've everything. I've got the response. Postmodernism is essentially questioning where do you draw the line outside of which something is not a bottle inside of which it is. That, and, that's, and that's a good effort. I think that's a great thing to do because it, it, doesn't, it lets us not be complacent with the, with the ideas that we already have. It opens us up to new possibilities. It's, one, it's evolutionarily speaking probably one of the reasons why we're still here. And that's However, <laughs> postmodernism should not say there is no such thing as a bottle. 
Okay. <laughs> right? Postmodern is post because it runs the risk of you saying, "Well, I can't I, I can't signify a, anything with with the same amount of confidence I had." Or, uh-huh. or it misunderstands the what what modernism is doing. Modernism is not saying that there is an ideal bottle. Yes, it it's is. It's just saying this this is the thing around which I draw my line around here. Okay, and these are the things that I'm comfortable with calling a bottle. Mm-hmm. All right, and postmodernism comes along and just wipes all that off the table and says, "What the hell are you because, doing?" Because, because <laughs> Stephen, and here's here's the point that I'm getting to, or that I'm I'm trying to make in response. That collection of things that are particularly bottle-like mm-hmm. are only are always only a collection of things that are particularly bottle-like. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. At no point do they become the bottle. Okay, so the the same way that, oh, and I think it's so. What that's saying. what I mean when I say there is no bottle. So the way when there is no tree, there is only a collection of things that are that we think are like something that is a tree. Right. That is a bottle. But it. But our the concept At no of it is, point is there, is there a bottle? Right. Unless you want to call that like the bottle, okay. the platonic ideal is the. Something like a similarity factor, or something like what it, you want to assign it to a concept, not an actual thing existing somewhere else. It's in the brain, what the brain wants to use. As, it's like the lo, the locus of all of these things. It's the the kind of like a, an attractor, right, of all of the the different things. But it is not a physical object but itself. Then, it is it is simply simply a concept. That but we then use. you're saying that something can be closer to a bottle or farther away from a bottle. Something is in more the sense, like the locus in the sense of that the it bottle is, it is closer than it is to, farther away from that. In the sense that it is closer to or farther away from the locus. Now that locus can change. My my concepts of what a, where what a bottle can be can expand. All right, of what what things may be similar to a bottle. Just the same way as my concepts of what can be love or what can be a purpose for life or what can be a fulfilling um, story for for a movie. All right, uh-huh. can all change. Right. Uh-huh. So so. It's, it, I, I so think your perception of the ideal bottle, of what could be the ideal bottle, is going to be different from my perception of what could be the I bottle. My locus point for bottle can be a little bit different. We have two different truths now. <sighs> okay, so you're you're treating truth in a sense of of what is what is right for you, or what it what it, what corresponds to what is in your mind. So we, in a sense. But the idea of truth itself already presupposes that there is something for, to which you can compare the given uh, preposition to and call it truth or not truth. That's true of everything. That's, that's language. That's what right. language is. A dog is a dog because it's not cat, because it's not bog, because it's not log. We're wrestling with just how our minds work. I mean, this, that's, that's... This is what post-structuralism more is what we're talking about here. Okay. But that's a, a close relative to postmodernism. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think it all... Here's the thing, though. Human beings developed and postmodernism as a concept, but mm-hmm. they also developed modernism as a concept. Mm-hmm. They found truth or practicality or utility or whatever you want to call it uh-huh. in both. Like, it, and the postmodernist is absolutely fine with that. <laughs> the modernist is the only one that has a problem. So maybe I am postmodernist <laughs> in a sense because, because I see most I, of I us are. We just don't admit it. Okay, because I certainly see the the benefit in that. It's that that sort of wrestling and, and redefining where the loci the locus is for these various concepts mm-hmm. is exactly what gets us 
on the same page in the first place. Okay, that's exactly what gets us cooperating in the first place. Because if we all, it's it's sort of like a collective mentality type of mm-hmm. thing. Because then we all we have like a meta locus, right? That is the locus of all of the locuses or of the loci for bottle, and therefore we all treat the same sorts of things generally as bottle. Because right? that's what we've been done before. Yes. Have you ever seen the film uh, The Gods Must Be Crazy? Mm-mm. The, and, and it's interesting that we're talking about a bottle in this situation because the, <laughs> the opening of The Gods Must Be Crazy, uh-huh. um, it, the film starts, and I've not seen the whole thing. I've only seen the first 20 minutes God, or so. have we already been talking for 40 minutes? Yeah, we're Holy good like shit. that. Um, <laughs> the film begins with an airline pilot of a small propeller plane mm-hmm. throwing a coca-cola bottle out of his plane and it landing in the in an african village mm-hmm. who have never seen glass before <laughs> and so they have no idea what a bottle is and they use this tool for a number of different things and it eventually because there's only one of them causes them unrest they fight over it and <laughs> one of the members of this group decides that he's going to throw it off the edge of the world because the gods are crazy to give them this crazy thing right um and that spurs the rest of the movie which veered off in other directions and i didn't care about it so i stopped watching okay um sounds very monty python-esque <laughs> um i think it was supposed to be i'm not sure how well it was pulled off again because i got bored and stopped watching monty python also very postmodern yeah in a lot of ways yeah. um their sketches never end. That's one of the things that's really interesting about them. Right. They don't have punchlines in Monty no. Python. You, you feel like you walked in on, a, on something and then you left. And then you before leave it before it's over. Over, yeah. Um, although sometimes they subvert that. But with that in mind, <laughs> they... The, so, so we create a society because we have similar ideas of what the bottle is. Yeah, but that construction of our similar ideas of sort of you're talking about this meta locus, yeah, is just that a construction. We've we've yeah. found similarities and we seem to match up, and that's okay. But it relates. Think it, it. It still supervenes upon what our brains are doing. All right, at a at a physical level, it still reduces back a long ways back, back down to what is happening at a physical level because of natural selection because of of genetics it happens because it's of utility to the survival of the species but sometimes but there are more than there's more than one way for the species to survive from the same input okay that's called mutation i can agree to that yeah and so without that there is no progression there if without these differences without this multiplicity Mm -hmm. You can't achieve what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and certainly, evolutionarily speaking, we must have developed a reason that we don't all converge upon the same locus. Well, see, now you're getting into evolutionary psychology, which is some woo-woo stuff in my mind. Um, maybe not. I'm I'm less inclined. You're verging on the edge of it. (laughs) Okay, so. Maybe not, and, and this is like like uh, what uh, Dawkins has come up with. You know, maybe yeah. things Dawkins like, gets on my nerves. Things too. like religion that we we've just come up with may just be a side effect of some other survivability uh, factor that we came up with. That maybe not, maybe is not directly related to why we're still here as a species. Well, I'm sure we do lots of things that are not directly related to why we're here <laughs> as a species. Watching yeah. Synecdoche, New York, is not directly related to our survivability as a species. Yeah. 
but doing similar things. Like, so language, language is, uh, and Pinker talks about this a lot, language is combinatorial, right? We, we can, tell me what that word means. It means we can combine a finite number of things into an infinite number of combinations or to a, into a very large number of combinations. I can create a sentence that's never been spoken before uh-huh. very easily. Robot 9000 does that. Are you familiar with the Robot 9000 project? No. It was a, um, originally created by Randall Monroe of XKCD, despite mm-hmm. my opinions of him. I think it's a neat idea. It, was a, it created a chat room where everything in it had to be new. Huh. No statements could ever be repeated. Wow. <laughs> That's And if, if you said something that, that had been said before... You got a delay, and so they'd say, you, that's already been said, you can't say that again. And so you, at first it was like a second delay, then two seconds, then four seconds, and then mm-hmm. they get longer and longer. So if you longer. said, like, hi, you know? You, yeah, <laughs> and so there was the, they built that learning curve into it. But the idea was to create something and, and test the infinitability of, in this case, the English language mm-hmm. of, you know, things that could not ever be repeated. And actually on, right. on 4chan for a while, they used that as a monitor for one of their boards called R9K. Ah, um, that's so cool. absolutely everything on there was something brand new. Yeah. Had never been, literally that string of sentences had never been said within the context of <laughs> that robot, that chatbot. That's um, awesome. But, but that's what we're doing constantly. It, like, language is combinatorial. Our, our brains are, are creating a very large number of possibilities from a finite set of, of facts. That's exactly what our brains do too. Okay, it's reducing it down, re- reducing, quote, um, thought, concepts, love, etc., down to a combination of um, physical processes in the brain doesn't, doesn't necessarily diminish their significance at all because we, we provide, or we, we grant a lot of significance to language and to works that are That's created all, from everything language. Everything is language. Everything. Oh, I, well, yeah. Well, okay. no, I'm, I'm, I'm quoting... Uh, Derrida, when I say that. Okay. There, there is nothing outside of text. Postmodernist, right? Um, Derrida is the father or of deconstruction. deconstruction. Yeah. Um, deconstruction. He was, he invented deconstruction such as it is. Okay. Um, and there, there. Which is what I, we should probably say a little bit about <laughs> deconstruction. If, uh, okay. Maybe. Watch Synecdoche, New York. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> is deconstruction the the act of? Is it like applied postmodernism, basically? Um, deconstruction. Okay. First, you have the structuralist. Uh-huh. The structuralist said, and this is going to be extremely short, mm-hmm. based on a lecture I heard once. Um, structuralism, all the words, and I'm, I'm using the English language as our base point. Okay. All the words in the English language, and there's a finite set, we're going to say. There is. There's a, Probably. There's a finite set of words in the English language. At the moment. Yeah. Um, it's growing, but there's a there, finite the set. The set of words set, in yeah. the English language are related to each other through the differences from one to another. Okay. But each of those points to something. They are a signifier for something in the world. The word B-O-G is that swampy place out in the world. Okay. The word B-O-T-T-L-E. Is the thing you're holding that used to have beer in it. Right. The... Post-structuralist said, ignore that thing that we're pretending to. This is all about the interaction between the words themselves. Okay. The deconstructionist said that bottle is only bottle because it isn't every other word in the English language. Mm. 
Okay. And that's an extremely rudimentary, very basic, I'm breezing over a lot of things that are much more complex, answer to what is deconstruction. <laughs> okay. I like that. I like that. Was I, was I close, Amy? Are you even listening? No, I was listening. Okay. I was, yeah. I was close. Um, okay. And, and I, can, I can see that, for sure. Um, no, I think, I think that's good. I, and, well, although structuralism, to an extent, has I, I think if if my little pet concept bears any weight, you know this idea of a locus that is not a, an actual existing thing in the world. There is no ideal chair sitting physically mm-hmm. over in some realm as Plato thought there was. That's a post-structuralist argument, right? But I can still say I can still say that that the locus, my 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 internal locus, mm-hmm. my my local locus, as it were, mm-hmm. uh, my personal locus, is something to which the word bottle corresponds to. Mm-hmm. Now, the locus... And that's, that's, if you, that's post-structuralist. But again, if you ask me to define the locus, that is... The, the, it has no meaning, uh-huh. right? That sort of... A it can only be defined through other words that are defined through other words. Precisely. That's and post-structuralism. People have said this about, uh, about um, art, about mm-hmm. uh, many different concepts, mm-hmm. and argued that they are such definable only by similarity to other things. I would argue that virtually everything, other than numbers, you know, n- numbers are... Two is defined by one. Mm-hmm. One is defined by two. But mathematical concepts are much easier to, um, to local. But they are still lo- defined within themselves. Like, <laughs> I don't know, locate? But, but yeah. they are still defined by all of the others. Right, that was... They're defined uh, in relation to everything else. What is it, the something incompleteness theorem? I don't know. Girdles. Girdles incompleteness theorem. It could very easily be. That's just the post-structuralist argument, is that they are only defined in relationship to everything else. Yeah, um... Okay, well, so so even for mathematics, then. So 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 the point of this is that we're, where we were going to is that Derrida says, and I'm with him on this. Yeah. There is nothing outside of text, or put another way, everything is language. Okay. Um. So, getting back to the movie. Uh huh. It, it is. It is in many ways. It, it's exactly why theater exists i think it's exactly why it's certainly why film exists in my opinion it's a great reason for film to exist um because it it very well uh, again you know more themes to look at it very well looks at the theme of acting Mm -hmm. of pretending to be another person of uh portraying someone's story Mm -hmm. and what is what is the value in doing so what is the point in doing so um all of these all all these wonderful things i mean it's it, it is a movie about everything. It is a movie about life. It's it's a movie that gets you certainly thinking about death and and about how you're living your life and how you're making decisions mm-hmm. and what it even means to make a decision <laughs> or to um, to to critically analyze oneself uh, mm-hmm. to know oneself. I mean, he says at various points, "I don't even know who yeah, um, who I am, who I am." You know, yeah. <laughs> so. Although to be fair, it does seem the other characters know who he is better than he does himself, which is interesting. Uh-huh. And, and I think I think that speaks to how people can more easily define us than we can define ourselves. Yeah, um, it's very very difficult to to recursively define oneself um, <laughs> because we're constantly in the act of creating ourselves. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, very much so. 
a wonderful movie, <laughs> certainly thought-provoking, <laughs> if this episode is any indication. I, I feel like we could talk about this for hours. Yeah. Uh, we could make an entire separate podcast where we just talk about Schenectady, New York every week. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> or a different, a different theme from it. Uh, it is certainly worth watching uh, multiple times and, and is one of the greatest works of cinema I, don't, I think I've ever seen. I mean, it, it's... I, I don't know. Can you, can you, you see, think of... Ebert, Ebert caught some flag for saying it was the best film of the last decade, but... Uh, I, I would certainly agree with him there. I mean, um, I, uh, I don't know who else was on the short list, but it certainly... It does what it does better than any, any film I think I've ever seen before. Like, mm-hmm. it, just, it perfectly realizes its, its goal or its goals or its truths mm-hmm. or its you know, mission in, in mm-hmm. so many ways. Um, yeah. And I think it's why Charlie Kaufman hasn't made any films since then. It's because he doesn't know how to do anything after this. Yeah, after this, it's like, well, that's all I got, guys. <laughs> I can't, yeah. I can't do a Charlie Kaufman. Honestly, if you look at his his films, there's actually somewhat of a, a progression towards this, um, which is interesting considering how little I like progress. Mm-hmm. Um, but you look at being John Malkovich, um, Be- yeah, adaptation, and. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Line. The only one I haven't seen is Being Human, although I, I think there's some stuff in there. But Being Human is very mainstream for Charlie Kaufman. Yeah. Um, but all of those films, in certain ways, are, not, are, are distinctly precursors to this film. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not to say that this film is the response or the end point of those films. It, it it interweaves them mm-hmm. like so many things. I mean, it, it really, it's a film from a guy who's been thinking about life and been thinking about his own life for his whole life mm-hmm. and trying to trying to put down in film what it is like for him to think about his life, what it is like for any of us to think about our lives. That that recursive process which we all go through, which we all share because of our biology, I think. That, that self-reflection, that self, self-inspection, and at the same time, inspection of ev- anything and everything that is going on <laughs> around us to try to, to build a story. Try to build a story of what the is going on out there, and then we die. That's one It's one a good movie. On it. It's a good movie. Um, I like it. Well, we won't do a, a form squeeze this, this week, I guess. Um, so I can pull it up. I, I don't I don't even know if we could follow that with anything. <laughs> um, ah hell, go and pull up the force, please. See what I don't. We'll jog our brains off into something uh, else. Uh, I don't care about photos. Um, it's Friday the thirteenth. What will happen today? <laughs> we will watch. S Y N. S Y N. I can spell it. I'm not thinking about it. key. Yeah, this doesn't have it, but that's the right response. No, I, it auto-corrected on my iPhone for some reason. Well, we it's got it on my phone. Actually, no, my phone's got it too, that's but right. that's right. That's right, yeah. S-Y-N-E-C-D-O-C-H-E. Yeah. Synecdoche. Synecdoche. Which is not the same thing as Schenectady. Schenectady. Which, why... That's where the portion of the film, beginning of the film takes place. It's Schenectady, yes, but why Synecdoche? Did he just want to do a little play on the name? or? Well, do you know what synecdoche means? Hmm. It's a term, and again, keep in mind... Oh, it's all an actual of the term. Titles. Yeah, it's a real term. Ah. Keep in mind, all of the titles in the film 
were the correct title. Okay. <laughs> um, but synecdoche, the word, means to define something by, or to call something either by the whole by the part name or the part by its whole name. <laughs> so when you say, you know, you call a fleet of ships the sails, uh... um, you're calling the whole thing by its part, or, you know, and it re- goes in reverse too, I can't think of another example, but, you know, you call... Um, so that's calling the whole thing by its part. Yeah. You can call something the part of something by its... And meaning the whole thing. Um, but I can't remember an example. The internet I has. I don't know, yeah. Um, there, there are examples, and I always see them, and I go, oh, of course. Synecdoche. Well, uh, the grass. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I'm part of something it... is used to refer to the whole thing, or a thing is used to... A whole is used to refer to part of it. And there's sort of some further definitions inside of it. Specific examples. America is often used to mean only the United States. Yeah, so that's an example. Yeah, example of for the whole is used to describe one part of it. Okay. The good book. is Yeah, that's a general name used to use something specific. So it's yeah, general to specific or specific to general. Yeah. Wheels. Yeah, wheels for your car. Stuff like that. Okay. Um, the mirror, Glasses. Ma- yeah, the material, material yeah. for what it is. So Wood. Steel for a sword. Yeah. So so it's that's sort of what it is. Um, you can read a the select to keep Wikipedia page and it'll okay. tell you more. Um, well, we'll link but to so the, notes, the, yeah. the title makes sense, but it's also just a play on Schenectady. <laughs> it, <is. laughs> uh, it works on so many levels. Uh, it is just turtles on the way down. Well, I guess it's... Kind of goes with with the theme of the show today. The top one. I, yeah, I don't know who Berkeley is. I don't know. He says that matter doesn't exist, and does it matter if matter doesn't exist? No, doesn't. What was that quote from Homer Simpson? What is mind? No matter. What is the mind? Er, well, what is matter? Uh, Never mind. mind. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What is matter? Never mind. What is matter? No, you got it backwards again. I'm doing it wrong. Yeah, you do it. Um, what it, what is mind? doesn't matter what does matter never mind that's it yeah answered in 112 yeah. <laughs> cool um, okay so oh, we should probably just wrap this up okay so watch the movie um, yeah, I put a thing on Facebook telling people to watch it ahead of time oh my god definitely watch the movie and <laughs> talk about it with your friends because ultimately it will turn into a talk about life and death and what are, and don't else. just say it's pretentious art garbage because you don't want to think about no, it. Oh, please. Yes. Use your brain. Use your brain. <laughs> it's things like this. Which, that, of course, our audience is more likely to do. I hope so. <laughs> uh, love to hear your thoughts on the movie, too. Uh, if, you have any, if you have any thoughts on the movie, uh, please comment on our website. Uh, tweet at us at Bad Philosophy. Um, feel free to hit us up on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Facebook.com slash Bad Philosophy. Uh, Add us, like us, subscribe to us, whatever the yeah. hell they're calling it Did these days. Did you see days. the thing I, I pointed out is we've got more Facebook fans than one of my favorite bands. Oh, really? And that sort of blew my mind. Like, it's only by five. We've got five more oh, than one of okay. the bands All that right. I've, I've liked forever. And they're not a really big band. But I sort of had this weird moment of, like, am I famous? <laughs> no. I mean, they're not famous, but, like, I have slightly more fans on Facebook than this band that I've liked since I was 12. How does that work? It hurt my brain a little. Uh, words a weird, world's a weird place. It is. World's Wor- a weird place. Words a, words a, words weird. a weird place, too. Yeah. Uh. 
So yeah, <laughs> we should leave. I am uh, I am Stephen Torrance at s Torrance on Twitter. Uh, Kevin is at Kevson K V S A U N D. Uh, we are Bad Philosophy. We hope you've enjoyed listening to the show and uh, stretching your brain just a little bit. Uh, we'll see you back next time on Bad Philosophy. Or just, or just the end, or the theme from Inception. <laughs> Ball. Yeah, sure, do that. Ball. Did you know the thing about the theme from the the theme from the Inception? What is the that song they play? Slow it down. It's the yeah. same song. Yeah. That's weird. Also a little uh, cheap, but that's okay. Mm. They're trying. Yeah. <laughs>